Hello and welcome to episode 2.5, the continuation of demons. According to TexasGhostAndSpirit.com, these are the 20 signs one needs to look for when dealing with someone who is possessed. The heading reads, Mental Changes Affecting Then Person. Then, T-H-E-N. Just to give you an idea of what kind of website we're dealing with here. Number one, look for changes in personality. This is usually seen when the person is affable and suddenly becomes extremely quiet. Number two, someone who is normally very active suddenly becomes isolated. Number three, look for changes in sleep patterns. Number four, look for sudden weight loss or gain. Does this demon make me look fat? Number five, look for changes in attitude and behavior usually becoming hostile. Number six, someone who begins cursing a lot when that is out of character for them. This is shitting stupid. Number seven, notice if they suddenly have an aversion to religious objects. They may be a person who normally goes to church but suddenly despises the thought. It seems like this is a good fail-safe way to keep people going to church. Number eight, look for evidence of self-mutilation. Number nine, look for changes in the way the person dresses. Slut. Number ten, observe their personal hygiene and look for changes. Not very specific. Number 11, look for evidence of occult materials in the room. Number 12, look for destructiveness on the part of a person, especially if that destruction is of religious objects. Number 13, they may become abusive and threatening for no reason. If you don't continue listening to this podcast, I'm going to find your house and I'm going to kick your ass. Number 14, they may become violent. They often attempt to hurt animals. Here, kitty, kitty, kitty. Number 15, the person may experience severe nightmares or night terrors. Number 16, they may perform acts of humiliation, such as urinating on themselves, etc. <clears throat> Number 17, they may be sexually preoccupied, exposing themselves to others. Boy, if only this podcast was a video. Number 18, take note of what happens to be a different personality or multiple personalities. Number 19, look for unusual changes in diet. Foods that were once favorites may now be repulsive to the person. They may eat foods that they once detested or quit eating completely. I like pizza. I don't like pizza. Number 20. Take note if they seem to have blackouts in their memory. Where was I? They've also included this handy disclaimer. Many of these changes are normal, especially when dealing with teenagers. Do not automatically think of possession unless you have some reason to believe they are vulnerable to possession. When darkness attaches itself to you, it attaches itself. I'd never told this this story really before. I shared it, I think, with one person. You know, as a writer, and, and because of my interest, I buy a lot of strange reading material. I buy a lot on Wicca and witchcraft and things like that. So many, many years ago, my mother went to a flea market, and she brought home this book on witchcraft. It was pretty extensive. I mean, very, very extensive. It had all the pictures in it and everything. And then it had, you know, a chapter called Raising the Devil and the Dead. And there was incantations and there were ways to do that and who to call upon. And there was a thing about Sabbaths and black magic in it and, you know, all kinds of different things. And the thing I noticed about this book was that was really weird was there was an inscription in the front pages in, in pen by a reverend who also claimed he had something about being a vampire. I always thought that was weird, you know, it's like, oh, you know, but just another weirdo reading a book. Years later, one of my friends wanted to borrow the book and I let her borrow the book. 
and something happened between us. We didn't like each other anymore and we lost touch and everything like that. Years later on, while I was writing one of my screenplays, I decided I wanted some of that information. So I went on Amazon and I ordered that book. And the book came back to me with that inscription in it. People can say, dude, every, everyone was probably like that, but my wife and I have since bought two more copies of the book that didn't have that inscription wow. in it. I've used so much of that book in my screenplays. So I believe, you know, that, that when darkness attaches itself to you, it attaches itself. So this week, I am going to review Needful Things by Stephen King. The jacket cover reads, With a demonic blend of malice and affection, Stephen King says goodbye to the town he put on the map, Castle Rock, Maine. So you've never read Needful Things? No, I, I'm a big Stephen King fan. But no, I've never read Needful Things. Have you ever seen the film? I never have. Uh, it's a good book. Read it. All right, so today with me I have a couple of the guys from the independent game company Touch Fight Games. Introduce yourselves. I'm John. My name's John. <laughs> I'm... John. I'm Nathan. So, John, you have a story to tell about demons? I dated a girl for a very long time. She had an older sister who went through a very strange uh, religious phase. Strange like how? Decided to get rid of everything in her home that she deemed evil. Or secular. Uh, books, movies... Video games, toys. I got the Harry Potter collection out of the deal, so nice. I didn't complain <laughs> Sweet. too much. Her children were pretty sheltered. During this, obviously. Because um, always. 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 Um, the, the kid in question. Call him Danny Torrance. <laughs> so Danny didn't actually speak until he was like four or five years old. It was just like baby talk. Autistic? I don't think so. Maybe. He was a very weird kid. So After... are you calling all autistic people weird? <laughs> yeah. Yep. He would wake up crying, run to his mother, and he told her that a little girl was appearing in his room. And this happened over the course of several weeks. A little girl would appear in his room at night and talk to him. And uh, sometimes she would appear standing over his bed, and sometimes she would appear just as a face okay. inside of his pillow. That's really normal. Yeah, I mean, it's... A bunch of other, right? Your childhood, yeah. Whispering voices and perverse... <laughs> it, it's definitely weird, but what always creeped me out about the story is uh, she was immediately concerned. A lot of parents might be like, well, whatever. I mean, it's... Quit like being, being a, a baby. Yeah. But she was immediately like, oh my God, it's it's the devil. So she told him... Obviously. Obviously, if Harry Potter's the devil, a talking face and a pillow is wicked devil. Yeah. It's like uh, super devil. <laughs> So she told him if it happened again to pray to God. And a few nights later, or however many nights later, it happened again. And the kid, like his mother said, started praying. And this comes right from, I, I'm guessing he was six years old at the time. A very sheltered kid. Didn't see horror movies, anything like that. Uh, told his mother that when he started praying, this little girl told him to stop. She didn't like it. And if he kept praying, that she was going to come inside him. So what, what came of that? 
Uh, she actually hired an exorcist, and he did a walkthrough of the house or whatever it is that they do. He sprinkled holy water and whatnot, and after the exorcist came, it never happened again. That's some creepy stuff. So, Vance, what do we have in the way of news this week? Police and medical staff document America's real-life possession. Official reports claim boy, nine years old, walked backwards up a hospital wall. Uh, Latoya Ammons moved into a home with her mother and three children in Gary, Indiana in 2011 and started hearing footsteps in the basement. Over time, she and her children, aged 12, 9, and 8, became possessed. Their eyes would bulge, they'd shake and growl. A clairvoyant said the home was haunted by 200 demons. 200? So it's like, hey guys, there's a party going on, come on <laughs> over! Sons were taken to the hospital after one was inexplicably thrown in the house while there was a nurse and a CPS worker there that saw him walk backwards up a wall. The veteran police chief, who was shitting his pants, became too afraid to enter the home at night. A Catholic priest carried out exorcisms on the Ammons. The unlikely sounding event was detailed in official documents after a child services caseworker and nurse both said they saw the boy glide backwards on the floor, wall, and ceiling. Both were shocked to see the boy apparently float after their mother had been subjected to months of skepticism when she claimed her home in Gary, Indiana was haunted and all three children were possessed demons yeah i have a feeling if i was in that situation and the kids in the house are floating and moonwalking up the walls too bad we can't stay baby that was one of the first things like when we were buying going to buy a house like the first thing that was on my mind was like has anyone died here is anyone any sort of like creepy bad juju stuff going down because that scares the crap out of me like the thought of like moving to a place and finding out after you settle in that there's some weird energy or stuff there. If you go to buy a house and you're like, hey, did, has there already been any sort of demonic stuff going on here? They're going to laugh at you. Right. Or, you know, if you have some sort of weird experience like that, no one's going to take you seriously. So it's not really demon related, but there was an uh, interesting thing when I, when I lived up in northern Vermont uh, with my wife at the time, we were not married. We lived in this, this apartment. It was like a one-bedroom apartment above a like an attorney's Office. Office type setup. Uh, and it was this really old, like, super kind of 70s, nightmarish kind of trapping. But it was like an old building. There were times when we were there, it was definitely got, had like a weird, creepy vibe. I'd be sleeping at night and hear it was like flickering around the room and stuff, and just weird things. And we were convinced there was some weird stuff going on. Flickering like hows. Like... Like snaps. Like and snaps and like pops and stuff. And it could have been something as simple as like heating. There's lots of Or electrical. Who knows? Yeah. However, it's funny you mentioned that because on our first episode, uh, Vance and I were discussing ghosts and he mentioned a place that he lived in that same same thing, snapping, ticking, tisking weird, noises. Yeah, weird little sounds. Like yeah. Especially when you turn the lights out and you're sleeping, you wake up in the middle of the night and it's just like strange... Like, in, in, you can kind of feel if there's, like, weird, you know, pardon me, I'm just a paranoid person in general. <laughs> but, like, you know, you wake up and you're like, something doesn't feel right. You're kind of, like, fearing weird things. And I would freak myself out and be like, ah. But I found out after I'd been living there for a while that it used to be a funeral parlor. They say you fear what you don't know, right? Yeah. Right. And, and that's true in a lot of ways. When you get older, you discover there's no, but there's no such thing as real vampires in the mythological sense, right? 
and you get you might be afraid of those things when you're a kid you get a little older and it all seems silly because you know better you know more demons for me are not that way uh the more i know the less i like it (laughs) yeah they they, it also struck me as odd they say that those who are victims of these demonic possessions are usually very religious well from the dark side of things that sort of makes sense hysteria aside religious hysteria aside if someone's very devout that's a soldier for god guys like us the (laughs) the devil's already got us man we're done you know but uh, juicy enough. <laughs> you know, it's it's a war, right? It's a spiritual war, as they say, as whoever they are. So it makes sense to me that yeah, someone very devout, you know, you know, would be a target, I guess. The Exorcist is the scariest film, in my opinion, of all time. Some people can watch it and laugh, and I think those people are insane. So The Exorcist Three is actually a sequel to the first one. In case I don't know if you've ever seen it. No, I stopped at one because. Uh, because that was enough. William Peter Blatty, who wrote the first, is the one who also writes the third one, and he did not have anything to do with the second one, which was a total piece of crap. This one picks up where the first one left off. The basic story of The Exorcist Three follows Kinderman, the cop, from the first film, but now he's played by George C. Scott, who's investigating a series of murders that seem to meet the MO of the Gemini Killer who was put to death in the electric chair 15 years prior. Well, it seems the details of the killings had been submitted with fake ones in order to weed out people who were pretending to be the killers. Cops do that all the time. Kinderman soon finds out that the man who fits the description of Father Damien Karras, previously thought dead, has been in solitary confinement in the disturbed ward of the hospital for years. So Karras, who performed the exorcist in the it first, first one. film. Now, see the older or the younger priest? He's, he's the younger priest. He's the younger priest. The one that gets thrown out the, thrown window, out the window, down the stairs, and his head gets smashed and everything all over. But he's back. This time he's in a mentally disturbed ward. He is possessed. So I'm not going to spoil anything on how Karis may or may not have survived, but they actually work it in quite nicely. Just, it's it's amazing. Oh, there's been a big surge in, in uh, exorcism movies lately. The Exorcism of Emily Rose. Right. Garbage. Uh, the Devil Inside. Garbage. You know, to me, it's all garbage. This, this movie, The Exorcist 3, is, is the best possession movie since the first one. And this is going to scare the living hell out of you, this one is. So we will eventually do a whole show about Ouija boards. Sure. But it sort of ties into what we're talking about on this show. My father was saved when I was about five years old and became a very... He was on fire for Christ. He just wanted everyone to not burn in hell. Sure. So he wanted to testify. He wanted to tell everyone... Proselyze. About Jesus. That's right. So I was being babysat by his folks. They were a big Irish Catholic family. They had 30-something grandchildren, which I was one of. And there was a closet full of toys and old board games. And with that many children running around... Everything was broken. There was no nothing complete. You'd have half of a Monopoly set, a couple of random Connect Four pieces, right? And I found a Ouija board. Nice. And I took it from the shelf, and I was tinkering around. I had no idea what it was. And it just happened to happen as my father came to pick me up. And he saw what I was toying with. Mom, you can't have this in the house. Mom, it's a gateway to hell. Mom, you don't want to invite these things into your home because then they won't leave. 
and he took it outside to the burn barrel. First, it wouldn't light. I remember that he couldn't get it to catch on fire. So he used a little gasoline and then it did catch. It was a slow burn that burned all multicolored. And yeah. as a kid, I'd never seen that. So hearing my father preach about the dangers of this toy and then seeing it burn all of these colors, green, red, and blue was terrifying. And because this was so long ago and because of the things my father had said and the way I was brought up, my memory may be swayed a little, but I do recall the sound was terrible. The sound of that thing burning has haunted me. It was almost as if you were walking into a busy theater and you would open the door, except the sounds that I heard were gnashing of teeth and torment and screaming. I'm at this point right now in my life where I'm like, there's something out there. You know, I know that there's an afterlife or at least another life in another dimension, you know, and there are these spirits and there are bad spirits. If there are bad spirits, if there's a leader, is that Satan? Is Satan a force? Is it just a dark force? Or is it what the Catholics and the, and the Christians think? I don't really believe in that. I think that humans, as far as what really religion really is, what spirituality really is, we know about religion as much as my cat knows about the internet or how to fix a transmission. Right, yeah. You know? Sure. We have no clue. One of the most beautifully articulated explanations of religion in the world that I'd ever heard was from a documentary. This gentleman, like our guest, mm -hmm. sees spirits and demons and auras, and he begins to seek out answers in first Christianity, all forms, all denominations. Mm -hmm. Then science. Mm -hmm. He gets CAT scans performed. He takes tests of all kinds, they can't find anything physically wrong with his mind. Sure. He seeks out Buddhists and Hindus, all types of religion. And at the very end of this film, he ends up in a sweat lodge with some Native Americans, I believe, in the Pacific Northwest of the United States. He does this the sweat lodge thing, and then the the guide takes him up on the side of this wet mountain and sits him down and says, meditate for two days. And the very end of the documentary is this gentleman coming off of the mountain. The documentarian asks him, what did you see? Did you see anything? And he said, yes, I see the universe as a circus tent. And all of the religions and even science are all just the poles that hold that tent up. Everything is pointing in the right direction, but one is no more important than the other. They all have a piece of it right. There's bad stuff out there. There is bad stuff out there. I am skeptical about a lot of it. A lot of times the people representing these things are absolutely batshit crazy. Sure, and now you have show after show after show about ghost hunting and, and the paranormal and everything. I mean, where does it end? Well, it ends right here. Thank you so much, fiends and foes, for listening again. And to our guests, Elizabeth, in part one, telling your creepy, creepy story. And John and Nathan from Touch Fight Games. They have a game coming out on the PlayStation Network in a few months. More about them can be found at www.touchfightgames.com. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, we'd love to have you. It doesn't have to be supernatural, but it has to be creepy. You can contact us through vancesavage.com or leonardkenyon.com. Thanks, everybody. See you on the dark side.